There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sarah. And I'm Beth. We're lawyers, mothers, and co-hosts of the bipartisan podcast, Pantsuit Politics. We have more in common than divides us. In a world that defaults to false dichotomies, we explore the messiness of living wisely. The choices, trade-offs, priorities, and grace of living a nuanced life. Welcome to another episode of The Nuanced Life. We are so happy to be here today, and we're going to be taking several advice questions, most of which have to do with how we live in in this COVID world. Things are starting to reopen. COVID is still out there. How do we make decisions? How do we set boundaries? And then we're going to wrap up with one really thoughtful, great, interesting commemoration following along the lines of how COVID changes things. So first up, we have a set of three advice questions, okay? We have an anonymous person struggling with coworkers not following the same health and safety recommendations <laughs> as the person writing to us. We have Megan, who has decided not to attend a large family gathering over concerns about the coronavirus. And then we have Molly also asking, how do we set boundaries when we see some of our loved ones and acquaintances and perhaps coworkers not following the same guidelines and rules as we are in this current pandemic environment. And a theme in all of these messages is I don't want to have a partisan political discussion with my family members about what seems to me to be just about basic health and safety. And I thought that theme came through so strongly in these messages because it is how so many people feel. I don't want to argue with you about the president. I just want to be able to make choices that prevent all of us from getting sick. And I think that it's really helpful to say that out loud in these conversations. This is a theme that you and I talk about all the time, that we got to annotate things. We have to say the unsaid mm -hmm. things because the unsaid things is where all the real stuff is. And I think it's really helpful as you're trying to figure out how do I engage to say that thing underneath it. I really am not trying to inject politics into our relationships. I am just trying to listen to the health advice the best I can and watch what's happening with the numbers. And that leads me to this set of decisions. And I realize that we have to talk through this pretty candidly because I can't make my decisions in a vacuum. And as mm -hmm. much as you might intend to make yours in a vacuum, they're not. They really affect me. It's really difficult because the traditional advice about boundaries is control what you can control, which is only yourself, right? Um, 
set your boundaries, be prepared for people to be angry about it, but know that you don't have any control over other people. And it's this very kind of like, don't let other people affect you. Well, unfortunately, and like you said, in a pandemic environment, what people do does affect us in a way that's very different from the way our emotions can affect one another. Not that emotions can't spread like a virus, but you know what I mean. I think the added layer of incredible difficulty on top of that. So first we have this. Nobody likes to set emotional boundaries when what people do doesn't affect your health and safety for the most part. So we have to acknowledge that other people have an effect on us in a way that's not usually the case in these conversations. On top of it, we're all trying to set these boundaries and have these conversations and make these decisions without all the information. Not because we're uninformed, but because we don't have the all the information. The top virologists in the nation, on the globe, researchers all over the country are still trying to figure this thing out. And so we don't have all the information. And so we can't just say, well, this is a scientific fact. And so you better respect that because we all know that that's problematic and the science is constantly shifting and evolving. And I think that adds a layer of really difficult complexity. And then if you would just like to pile on top of this pyramid the additional stress and anxiety we are all feeling right now because our jobs are different, parenting is different, public education is different, politics is intense. Oh, we also have this racial reckoning happening across the United States. Like it's just, it's a lot. (laughs) I say that. I feel like that is uh, something I say often and is perhaps not the most insightful, but I don't really know what else to say. It's a lot. And we all have to give each other and our coworkers and family members so much grace when even beginning to tackle these types of conflicts or conversations. Where I think traditional boundaries advice can be helpful here is in thinking about how you're going to respond to people's responses to you. So I think thing number one, I don't want to make this a whole political thing, but I am trying to follow the best advice. And this is how I see that advice. Thing number two, I think this is true, whether it's the office or a family gathering or any other environment where you're going to be around other human beings. I think you want to say, I want to understand what the prevailing sensibility is going to be here. Are we going to wear masks? Are we going to be committed to hand washing? Are we going to be committed to social distancing? If that is not what is going to be the prevailing thing in this office, at this gathering, whatever it is, that is fine. I will not be there. I will need to do my work remotely. Or I will have to celebrate with you another time. We send our love. Whatever it is, I'm not... You live your life and do your thing. If you have a consensus in an office where people are like, this is all nonsense and we're not doing it, then those people are welcome to go do that. But you can remove yourself from it. And where that feels difficult, it might require some advocacy. And I think it's really important to think about how much power and influence you have in a workplace as you enter Mm -hmm. into those conversations. Because if you have more than other people who might be feeling the same way as you, then maybe this is one you stand up and swing a little harder on. Word. Yep. Because, you know, this is really important. And it's really important to the point where a lot of states have hotlines for this very thing where you can call and say, we got a problem here. 
and I need help with it because I'm not getting anywhere on my own. Mm. And then the next step, I think, is being willing to go back to that boundaries advice because you know, Megan, that there is a good possibility that this big family gathering is going to involve some discussion of how Megan's family is so liberal or so precious or whatever it is. And mm-hmm. you know Molly and our anonymous listener that if you make that stand, people around you who are living differently are going to have a minute at your expense. And you just have to let them. And you have to recognize that it's not about you as much as it's about them. We all seek validation of our own worldview. And when people stand around criticizing someone who's made a different choice than they do, what they're motivated by is affirmation of their own worldview. And we got to let them have that because there's not a thing we can do about it. Not a thing. I would just like to offer some personal mental health advice. I've been thinking about a lot. Now, this is not with regards to workers, family gatherings, people we are in personal relationship together with. I see a lot of hand-wringing on both sides about who's wearing or not wearing masks. My father is very upset about people who wear masks in their cars. Why are they wearing masks in their cars? That's so dumb. I have a lot of progressive friends who it's like a play-by-play every time they go out in public. Only 30% of the people wear masks. 50% of the people wear masks. No one was wearing a mask. And I just think maybe we could all pump the brakes on that a little bit. It's not that I don't think masks are effective. I wear a mask everywhere I go. I do not think it is a good use of our energy to be constantly assessing and commenting and fretting about either the use of mask or the people not using mask every time we go out in public. This is where I think we might want to just exercise a little bit of that. Control yourself. Wear your mask and then let it go. Well, I do think that the most effective thing we do in any aspect of our lives is set an example. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. and I and I think around mask wearing, the most effective thing that we do is set an example, because the truth is we really to go back to Sarah's earlier point. We just don't know much. I mean, we had the World Health Organization last week saying, good news, everybody. Asymptomatic spread is pretty rare. And I told my husband that and I said, I'm excited about this. And he looked at me and I said, "Okay, I'm excited about it for the 24 hours that it will be true. And then someone will tell us that that was wrong. And that's exactly how it unfolded. They walked it way back within like 24 hours. Uh, This whole situation has been incredibly frustrating. We've talked about this before. The mask wearing part has been incredibly frustrating because we have had shifting guidance on that. If nothing else, COVID-19 is going to teach us to have a little bit more flexibility about things. Well, it's because it's risk assessment, not arithmetic, right? The truth is 80% of spread is usually through super spreader events, indoors, not well-ventilated, extended exposure. Okay? That doesn't mean that it doesn't spread 20% in other ways. Like, it's just we want them to say always or never. Well, that's not how science operates. And always and never is not how you make risk assessment. I hope that we are all building some much stronger risk assessment muscles because that's what this is. And you just hear people, they're so hungry for always and never. And that's not going to happen with COVID-19. And I think 
another piece of these conversations that you're having, especially at work or elsewhere, okay, maybe the risk of spread here is pretty low, but we have some people for whom the cost of getting sick would be exceptionally high. And so when we think about what it costs us to wear the mask and socially distance versus what it would cost cost them if they got sick, that's a calculus we have to make. Mm-hmm. Everything we're being asked to do, especially during the reopening, when it's socially distanced, but you can be out some, just wear your mask and stay apart from people. Those are really small asks. You know, they're really small asks compared to what happens for certain populations when they get this virus. And again, we've talked about this before. We don't know who is in that population. You cannot look around your office and decide who could weather getting COVID-19 and who would be seriously compromised by it. You don't know. And you don't know that in your family either. And so I just think as you explain your personal rationale, that can be part of it. There's a lot I don't know. What I do know is that taking these precautions doesn't ask much of me compared to the way it could benefit other people. So I'm willing to do it. If you're not, that's fine. We just can't socialize right now. We can't work together right now. I can't come to this event right now. Good luck out there, y'all. Listen, it's the Lord's work setting boundaries in a pandemic. Lord's work. With everything going on. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Right now, a lot of people are asking if it's even possible to buy life insurance at all. The short answer is yes, you can buy life insurance during a pandemic. And if you have loved ones depending on your income, you probably should. As an insurance marketplace, Policy Genius is in contact with the life insurance companies on their platform every day. They're keeping track of all the changes in the market so you don't have to, which means they can get you covered quickly and for the best price. Here's how it works. Policy Genius compares quotes from the top life insurance companies in one place. It just takes a few minutes to Compare quotes from the top insurers to find your best price. This doesn't just save a lot of legwork. You could save $1,500 or more a year by using Policy Genius to compare life insurance policies. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and red tape for free. So if you hit any speed bumps during the application process, they'll be there to take care of everything. So if you're one of the many people looking to buy life insurance right now but not sure where to start, head to PolicyGenius.com. Policy Genius will find you the best rate and handle the process completely. They'll get you and your family protected and hopefully give you one less thing to worry about. We have another great question related to the pandemic. Lisa has asked us about getting a new dog. They lost their dog. It was 14 years old. It was very hard for the family. They weren't in a big hurry to get a new dog. And then with COVID-19, they're like, we have so much going on. But then she was like, much like many, many other Americans, well, wait, maybe this is the perfect time to get a dog. So they decided they're going to get a dog. They go to the shelter and reach out to dog rescues and there are no dogs left. Also, much like the rest of America. So her question is, 
How much should I be pressing this? I've had the thought that maybe we should just try to find a dog we can buy since it feels impossible to get the shelter dog at this point, And hopefully we can pay for a pending puppy and know we have one that we can plan for. However, my husband really wants to rescue a dog, and so do I. It added to the fact that he really doesn't have a burning desire for a dog anyways. We've had multiple appointments with shelters, and every time we go, every dog is claimed. Am I pushing too hard? Should we jump on this time as an opportunity to bring in a new four-legged member of our family, or should I take more of a, if it's a meant-to-be-it-will-be approach? I was excited for this question because this is exactly what happened to us after our dog of 14 years passed away. And there was a there's always sort of a shortage for the kind of dog I rescue. I say this is it's a big pattern. I've had two dogs, but I like little dogs. I like dogs you can pick up and they're hard to find as puppies. And it's like you just get this. This is my personality. Like once I've decided it's the right thing, I I, (laughs) I'm like a dog with a bone. And I just couldn't let it go. Couldn't let it go. And I thought about and I've talked to my husband several times like, well, maybe we could just buy a dog because truthfully, there are a couple of breeds that I think. Uh, I would really love and enjoy, but my husband is 100% no. We will never buy a dog. We will only rescue and adopt. And why are you in such a hurry anyway? So I pushed. Of course, it was not during the pandemic and got little cookie. And obviously, she's a blessing to our family. So I don't know. I think it's hard. I think that if you, if it's a good distraction, is there any harm in you pushing to rescue a dog? Uh, No. Not unless it's stressing you and your husband and family out. And then maybe re-examine. I also get fixated on things and want them to happen immediately. Yep, yep, yep. It's part of the reason why I've always been kind of a bad customer for people who like sell makeup. Because (laughs) when I want a new mascara, I want it today. I don't want to order it and wait for it. And I've really tried to work on this in myself because I recognize once I get an idea, I can really wrap myself around that idea. I think, Lisa, that it would be good to just recognize that's what's happening. And it's Mm -hmm, probably mm -hmm. amped up because you're all at home. I know that my tendency to get excited about things right now is amped up. Because I have a lot of energy to direct toward being excited about things. (laughs) And I've got a lot of, like, stress that I'm trying to convert into. Let me have something to anticipate. Let me have something to plan. Whatever it is. So I think just knowing that that's what's going on is great. I think continuing to steadily look for a dog to rescue is fine. I would watch your community Facebook pages because I don't know about Mm -hmm. your communities, but in mine, with some frequency, see families saying we need to find a new home for our dog because whatever it is mean to the cat, it's mean to the child. We've realized we can't take care of it. We're overwhelmed, whatever it is. Right. So I would look at non-traditional channels is what I'm saying um, as you try to really cast a wide net for the new, newest member of your family. That's exa- I'm going to say, I'm going to stop you real quick. That's exactly how we found Cookie. I finally just put it on Facebook and said, I'm just trying to find a, a little puppy. Does anybody know? Because there's also like rescues that aren't shelters. You know what I mean? Like there are people who just run rescues out of their property or out of their home where they're helping out or they get puppies dropped out. Like they're just the lady in town where everybody leaves the puppies. And that's how we found Cookie. So yeah, I totally agree. Cat, you know, don't feel like you have to totally depend on shelters. And you didn't ask for this, Lisa, but my other little reaction to this is these are the kind of incidents that your kids will remember so much and that can prompt 
really wonderful discussions. Like, I don't know about other people's kids. My daughters love to hear about when they were babies. They love to hear about when I was pregnant with them. They asked me so many weird questions about all of that. But I could see us having a conversation like, oh my gosh, we really want a dog, but we have to wait for things we really want sometimes. Like when I first found out that you were living in me and I was pregnant with you, we had to wait nine whole months to meet you, you know? And I just think Mm -hmm. there are lots of ways that you could use this as a chance to talk about some pretty significant things and and that those metaphors will really stick with them because this is so concrete and something that they probably have emotion invested into. Well, good luck, Lisa. We hope that you find the perfect friend for your family as soon as possible. And we wanted to end with a commemoration follow-up from Jessica. It's not just a follow-up. It's a new commemoration on its own. So Jessica had previously written to us about being at the United States Embassy in Mexico when COVID-19 came into our awareness and that she had, for the time being, made the decision to stay there and wanted to commemorate her thought process. So now Jessica is commemorating, recognizing it was time to change her mind. She said, a month later, I'm starting to struggle emotionally. I live alone here and I'm an extrovert. I did okay for the first six weeks, but recently my emotional health is in need of more people. Every conversation with my family left me longing for home. In consultation with my boss and my doctor, I've decided to change my mind, pack up my dogs and go to Utah to spend the next few weeks of isolation with my family. This is the right thing for me at this time. Good for her. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Things change. Life changes. We change. And the power to look around and not feel stuck in, hardened by, chained to old decisions. That's a superpower right there. Our friend uh, at the podcast, Knox McCoy, has written a book called All Things Reconsidered that I'm really excited to dive into because I just appreciate his example of putting a book out that says, let's talk about all the different ways we can change our minds. It's so Mm -hmm. unpopular to change your mind that I think that example is really profound. And I think, Jessica, it's a very big deal that you didn't just decide that you had to be stuck. I say this all the time when I teach a yoga class because I tend to teach classes that you hold the poses for some time. And I try to say to people, you know, if you make this shape and we're there for four minutes and you get a minute and a half in and your foot's asleep or something is starting to really be uncomfortable You don't have to live there like you can move. But because we have this expectation of stillness in those poses, you can see people sometimes very uncomfortably not moving at all, even though it's clear that they need to move. And so I just I love it anytime someone says, hey, this is not working for me anymore. So I'm going to make a different choice here. Mm -hmm. And listen, I think that's also It's not just that her situation is relevant because of COVID-19. That is relevant directly to everything we've talked about. Like, we're just going to have to be adaptable. Science changes. We see other sides of relationships. Situations shift. Um, We're just going to have to be really, really flexible with ourselves and one another. We hope that you all are finding spaces to exercise that flexibility in ways that feel really supportive and good to you. We'll be back here again with you next Wednesday on Pansy Politics Between Now and Then. Keep it nuanced, y'all.
Dylan Garvin produces The Nuance Life. Elise Knapp is our managing director. The Nuance Life is listener supported. Go to patreon.com slash the nuance life. For $5 each month, you'll receive an entire bonus episode of The Nuance Life. Dante Lima is the composer and performer of our theme music. Dylan Garvin is the composer and performer of our ad music. For more information about The Nuance Life and to connect with us through our weekly email, visit pantsuitpoliticsshow.com.